Welcome to TribCast, the flagship podcast for the Lacrosse Tribune. I'm digital news editor Scott Rada, joined this week by Tribune City Government reporter Jordan Vine, and as always, Elizabeth Byer. Our special guest this week is the mayor of the city of Lacrosse, Tim Cabot. Welcome, Mayor. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You're later this week going to be doing a, a speech, if you will, to the city council on Thursday for the state of the city. And um, for those uh, who are interested, we'll link to that here on on the podcast page. But, you know, as I was reading through it today, it, it made me think a little bit. And I, I guess this is where I kind of wanted to jump off on our conversation. You know, I think one thing that's great about living in a city this size is, you know, if you have a con- concern, you can call your office, you can call your city council person, right. you can show up at a meeting and your voice will likely get heard. That, that is very true, and I would, I would just echo the, the notion that um, here at the local level, we really are accessible, and you know, our goal is to be as transparent as we possibly can. So over the last several years especially, we've tried to put more and more of the, you know, the actual legislation and the things that the council is deliberating online so that anyone with Internet access can can go on there and, and look at the agendas and, and to see and read and absorb everything that we're trying to do here at the city level. And, but the question I would have is, Mayor, I'm just curious if you, this is something you think about a lot, is I'm sure you get phone calls and emails from people, but you represent a city of more than 50,000 people. How do you balance listening to the loudest voice in the room or the loudest voice at a city council meeting while you know, also trying to balance that with maybe the people who don't contact you, or because I mean, most let's be honest, most folks haven't called their city council right. person. Most folks haven't attended a city council meeting. How do you balance the people you you don't hear from when you when you're making important decisions? Well, and I, I'll just add, I think it's closer to about seventy five thousand people, even though the census says fifty two thousand. On any given day, you know, we have about our, our population grows by about twenty or twenty-five thousand. So, we actually are charged with providing the services, emergency, you know, police and fire, the water and sewer, streets, all those things, to a, a larger area than than what the census says, and that does uh, create some challenges for us. But as far as the, you know, really the balance, and I do think about how we go after and seek more input and feedback and try to encourage more citizen participation and engagement almost every day because we have enough projects where uh, whether it's you know somebody getting uh, their street redone or uh, you know a park that we're trying to, to renovate or, or whatever the case might be we have a lot of projects and it does become challenging with a city this size to get the word out and for people to kind of know what's going on. And the my worst um, feeling in any meeting is when a member of the public will stand up and especially over some issue that uh, is fairly significant will say, this is the first I've ever heard about what's going on. And that to me is somewhat of a failure on our part to do a better job of communicating. So. We're, we're always looking for ways to try to uh, push out more information, whether it's our website or social media or, you know, myself, just when I'm out and about in the community to try to talk about various things with, with people, I think that's very important. And, and to try to balance the, maybe at times, the really loud voices, I think it gets back to what are your priorities and really your goals as 
uh, a city and then you know for me personally my goals as mayor and I truly try to reflect on those goals especially on some of these contentious issues and um, it's not always easy because there are times I, I'm thinking about the the Toma VA application right now that's going through and how you know we talk about as a city and as a community wanting to be very compassionate and to be uh, empathetic to people and to really try to work with folks that are maybe struggling to help them take that next step you know on the you know on their path and yet those decisions have real impacts to people and property taxpayers and parents and families and especially when you hear from a lot of the the, the immediate neighbors very much concerned or in opposition it, it becomes difficult to balance so I usually try to go back to looking at what's best for the city as a whole how does it align with our goals? And you know, I know that I don't always get every decision right, but I think as long as you're trying to uh, do that. And then I also just try to be open and transparent to explain to those folks, those neighbors, why I, for example, have supported that, that request. And it hasn't necessarily made them happy because they've expressed that to me, but I think maybe at the end, though, they do understand kind of how that fits. You know, it, it, it's interesting, your previous role before you were mayor for those who don't know, is you ran downtown Main Street, Inc. And your job was to, you know, make sure the lacrosse downtown was as strong as it could be. And I think, you know, over the past 10 years, the growth and vitality of downtown is probably one of lacrosse's biggest success stories. It's interesting, though, that, you know, for many years, sort of the, the many people's opinion of why downtown failed was Valley View Mall. Mm -hmm. And now you're sitting here as mayor and, and overseeing a pretty strong downtown and Valley View Mall is all of a sudden yes, having yes. tons of challenges and is also a big taxpayer it in is. the city. It's our largest. What, what do you think the future of Valley View Mall is? It is going to change and it is uh, reflective of the, you know, the just what's going on with retail and online shopping and, and what that means for local businesses. And it's in some ways it's unfortunate, but I think it's almost you know, when you look back through history and just how downtowns and communities have changed and grown and evolved, it's not necessarily surprising that there would be some technological advancement that would enable people to do all this shopping out of the comfort of their home and never have to go into a store. So um, so we are trying to work very closely with the owners of Valley View Mall. Uh, I know that our staff, especially in the planning and development department, uh, they, they have given a lot of thought and looked at a lot of places and, and how malls have, in essence, kind of redone themselves. So with different uses, with trying to add perhaps more residential, looking at more recreational types of things, and especially with our mall, with Valley View sitting right, you know, overlooking. It has a Valley View. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> a beautiful marsh and one of our great natural resources. You know, there are some thoughts about how that could be changed over the, you know, realistically the next five to 10 years to make that again a, a destination because it is, it is a struggle and I, I can only imagine how difficult it is for retailers and in, in my experience in working downtown and part of why downtown is so successful is that it relies, I mean, it's a lot of, you know, uh, locally owned businesses. So decisions are made here locally and I think they've, you know, and, and folks before me and, and now after me at downtown Main Street, they've just done a remarkable job in finding the niche, the events and the special stores and 
um, you know, that kind of that sense of community. And I think that's what we're going to have to look at with Valley View Mall. We're going to have to really look at some some serious changes. Our One of our disadvantages, however, is that the mall is owned by a company out in Pennsylvania. You know, how much they think about lacrosse, probably not as much as I do or, or our community does. So we've got a challenge to overcome that somewhat to get that to be a higher priority for the folks um, that own the mall. So uh, kind of building off of that, you guys are going to vote on closing Tax Increment District 9, the International Business Park yes. did. And maybe um, you could explain to people where that is. Uh, I think you might be better. <laughs> it's basically the, the International Business Park is that area that is in between Highway 16 and the interstate. So it's really on the, on the city's far northeast corner, and it's adjacent to Alaska, the landfill, that area out there. Yeah, um, so with that, that closure, that gives you guys the opportunity to open up another TID. Do you have uh, thoughts on where that might be? Is the mall sort of in the back of your mind? Or are you thinking, you know, maybe in the Bridgeview Plaza area? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we have uh, several really good uh, possible candidates, and that's going to be the challenge over the next, realistically, probably the year, next year or two, is to figure out where do we make that investment next? Because you've got not only the mall area, you have the Kmart redevelopment site on the south side that has now you know, been recently purchased by a local group that are looking to do some mixed use development and how much um, will they need or request from the city? You know, Will we look at uh, creating a TIF district there? I don't know. Uh, you mentioned also Bridgeview Plaza, that's another key area. And there's, it seems that there's no shortage of these types of opportunities, which in many ways is very good. But when you are pushing up against that limit of the 12%, it makes it kind of difficult because that's been, and it's, it's somewhat ironic because I think Valley View Mall was the second TIF district mm -hmm. that the city created to basically put in infrastructure there to, to get the mall developed. And so it would be somewhat, you know, is that big, like a big circle that we'd come back to <laughs> if we needed to create a, a TIF district out in that area to help kind of redevelop that. So uh, th that will be part of the, the staff putting together some good recommendations and then ultimately the council deciding, okay, we're, you know, we do have a little bit of capacity, so do we look at Valley View Mall or some other location? I'm not sure if you brought your crystal ball with you today. But we're going to play just a kind of a quick lightning round on, you know, since we're in the first couple of days of January, a year from now, where some of these key developments or pieces sure. of land will be. And one of them, which has sort of had some starts and stops over the years, is Train Plant 6. Yes. So I'm expecting a year from now there will be an agreed-to concept for what's going to go there. I think right now there's been discussions about some affordable housing there's a, a group of community leaders that have been looking at developing, and I've, I don't know that I have the exact correct label, but a, kind of a community rehabilitation center that will work very closely with the hospitals and with our universities to, in essence, provide physical rehab and, and fitness facility for some of our most challenged special ability community members, and then I think they're looking at opening it up for the whole community. So that's one of the sites that they've looked at. And for those of people who don't know, that sits along, I'm not sure if it's Lang Drive or George Street, but out in front of the old yes. rubber mills. Yep, yep. There was a, a handful of these sites when I uh, first took office that I wanted to make sure that before I left office someday that they were all developed. 
slowly but surely we're starting to address them, but this is one that's been sitting vacant for a number of years. So I hope that we are able to actually get a concept agreed to, and then whether or not we would actually go, if it could move along fast enough where you could see uh, ground broken this year, that might be possible. We will be waiting on the results of the state on the affordable housing request because Common Bond is a developer that's looking to build affordable housing there. But um, but a year from now, we should have a really good sense of what's what's moving forward there. Two other ones was kind of been touched on. One, the former Kmart site. I think it's safe to say that building is not going to be there much longer. No, that will be demolished. The local group is working with our our staff and some of our committees to identify like what are the future uses. I would expect a mix of housing and there'll be some commercial and perhaps some retail that will be located there. And I think, uh, especially because I, I lived in that neighborhood when the Kmart was there, that was such a great neighborhood serving area or, or a store. I mean, there a lot of people would go there for various things. I don't know that you'll see a return of that type of retail, but hopefully it'll be a neighborhood serving use, whatever it ends up being there. And another one which we've touched on again is is sort of a long-term development uh, potential is Bridgeview Plaza by Exit 3. Yeah, Bridgeview Plaza is a little little stickier. I, I'm a little frustrated, to be honest, because, again, we've got a, a situation of a out-of-town you know management company that owns that property. Um, they really have not put any dollars of investment back into that facility. I mean, honestly, and I kind of say this half-jokingly, when I was a kid, that bef- you know, way before the mall was developed, it was Bridgeview Plaza, downtown, and the Shelby Mall that were kind of the places to go. And I don't think Bridgeview Plaza has changed since then, you know, 45 <laughs> years. And it's unfortunate because it is the gateway into our whole community. It's really our front door. Working with the Wisconsin DOT, that whole uh, corridor now has been redone from a transportation aspect. We have the Eagle Watch that's there. So there's some excitement brewing, but... I don't know, you know, short of me winning the lottery and being able to develop or, or provide, you know, millions of dollars to buy that, I, I think that's still going to be a struggle. I do think there'll be some other things that will happen around that area because I know the, the old Burger King and there's a, 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 lot, a vacant lot on the corner. Some of that mm-hmm. will be moved forward, but Bridgeview Plaza is just, it's a very much a challenge. And I've saved the biggest and maybe toughest one for last. You probably know where I'm going, Riverside North. Yeah, so that one we will see. Um, we're, we're moving forward on, on acquisition of property. It's the Wetstein property that's basically on the, on the west side of Copeland, right across from Festival's entrance there. So we will be acquiring that property very soon. Um, infrastructure will start to get planned and developed there. And then, you know, my hope is that we will have a development agreement with our first developer this year with groundbreaking in 2020. And again, just so folks understand, that's not going to be the entire site. No, that will be phased over a number of years just because of the sheer magnitude of how big it is. I mean, it's 30 to 40 acres of developable land. And so realistically, it'll take, you know, five or more years to fully develop out. But I'm, I'm happy with the work that our redevelopment authority and our staff and others have been doing because we're very close on, you know, the first key piece is getting the streets and water and sewers and then um, coming to some agreement with the first developer. So you're kind of starting off 2019, your first January council meeting. You have a ton of stuff to talk about. Yes, we do. We do. And I think that's really a testament to all that's happening in our in our community you know there are 
you know, not to say that we don't have struggles. I mean, we have challenges like other places and especially with some of the, the issues with our, our opioid crisis and some of the mental health issues and just, you know, what I hear from folks is the lack of treatment availability. I mean, we, we struggle with that. We're working on those things. So even with those kind of big, complicated challenges, I'm really pleased with how we are making progress on a number of fronts. And, you know, when we start to kind of stack up the changes and those investments and all the great work that's being done, especially by volunteer groups and nonprofits and businesses, I mean, our and our citizens, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. It's a, I mean, I feel very blessed to be the mayor at this particular time in the city's history because I think we're seeing some transformational changes and I'm hoping that we keep that momentum going. As we're recording this, it's, I think, three or four hours into the Tony Evers administration. Yes. Have you had a chance to meet him, as, you know, obviously not in his current role, but up in, you know, yes. during the campaign or before? Yes, and we, we talked briefly about the need to improve the state-local relationship. I think that was one of the biggest challenges that I, you know, from my perspective, I witnessed over the past five and a half years as mayor is that, you know, we, we still, we got things done. Uh, we, you know, there were projects and, and there was like, for example, state support for the lacrosse center, but there wasn't necessarily a strong relationship. And I had suggested to then candidate Evers and now Governor Evers that it would be a good idea on his part if he would maybe once or twice a year get all the mayors together and have some conversations about what's going on in all of our communities because uh, it's not just lacrosse. You look at communities all around the state, there are some remarkable things happening. And we know that, you know, for the vast majority of, of business investment and jobs and quality of life and all of those things that make this a great place to live, they're happening in cities and villages around the state. And we want to see the state prosper. So it would be a good idea uh, for him to reach out and we could have some of those conversations. So I'm hopeful that he'll do that. I have a feeling that he will. I think because he's coming from that local background as well as, you know, a former educator at a local level and knowing sometimes how difficult it is, I, I'm looking forward to that. Now, there are probably few jobs there is 24-7 of being mayor of a city, but I'm sure you do get some downtime. And on the way back to record this, we were talking about Netflix and how Sure. Like many Americans, you uh, you may have a subscription or yes. borrow someone else's. Yes. Uh, uh, my, my adult kids borrow my oh. subscription, so let me just clarify that. Yeah. So what, and so, they're for some of their friends, too, I think. But anyway, that's okay. So when you're not, be, when you're not doing mayoral thing yeah. and, you're turn, and you flip to Netflix, what are you, what are you watching? Well, we just, um, my wife and I just watched that Sandra Bullock, um, The Bird Box. Everybody uh, has officially movie. now seen Bird Box. I think so. Yeah. I think so. It was really, yeah, it was very, uh, very good. And then... We're kind of waiting for, I mean, I'm a big fan of Homeland, so I'm really waiting for that that next uh, season to start. I think it's in June, and then I think, again, everybody's waiting for Game of Thrones. And, you know, there's a few of us that are like, how can they take that long to develop the next season, you know? I mean, <laughs> Not that anybody's ever said that about Riverside North. Yeah, right. No. That's right. It's nice to be able to be on the other side of that sometimes, to be demanding <laughs> things and saying, why is it taking so long? So anyway, yeah, so those those would be probably our favorites. So, so I really have to ask you about the most important issue facing the Board of Public Works coming up uh, next week or the week after. Leaf collection. What yes. do you guys oh. do about it? Leaf, leaf collection. So <laughs> the, the, we've had some significant challenges, especially the last couple of years 
in getting all of the leaves picked up. And part of it is there, there's a couple of reasons for this. One is we frankly just don't have as many um, uh, crews out there as, as we did in years past. Another emphasis has been by the council and myself to our street department is to do more repaving and repairs of streets. And so that's, you know, if you think about that time of the year where it's leaf pickup and you're trying to finish up uh, street pavings and then it can snow, you've got kind of all three of those challenges happening at the same time and it's the same crew that's got to do all of them. So unfortunately, our leaf pickup, I think, has really been negatively impacted by that. And it's, you know, the, the crews were still out well into December when they had, uh, you know, an opportunity to go out and, and pick up leaves. And, the, you know, when folks saw that they were doing that, they were appreciative. But we still have a ways to go. So we're going to talk about how we need to make changes to get back on track. And I think part of it is going to be, you know, a few years ago, we used to do the leaf pickup the same days as the basically the garbage and recycling you know so the city is kind of divided up into those five days of the week and the crews used to go out at the same time and basically they would spend as long as it took to get the leaves picked up in that area that day which does result in overtime which we just don't have to pay for that so we're gonna have to identify what that cost might be but, but we, I would like to get back to that so I mean in essence I'd love to say November is leaf pickup month we're going to do two runs, so get your leaves out there, and then, you know, that's it. Because part of the challenge also is when Mother Nature decides to drop the leaves, we have no control over that. Some years it's earlier, some years it's later, so that adds to the, the challenge. And although we joke about this in one of Jordan's stories, I think it was uh, Council Member Doug Haffel said this may be the thing he's received the most calls on. It yeah. is. It is something that people see. It. I mean, it's one of those issues that... You can see it, touch it, feel it, probably like walk through it, drive over it, you know, and and that those are the kinds of, you know, services that we that makes this a great place to live because not every place has leaf pickup. And when it's not operating the way it should, believe me, I hear about that. And so we we don't, you know, try to make excuses. We are going to really look at that and try to fix it and see what we can do for next year to make it better. And we 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 probably will have to get out there sometime in the late winter, early spring to get batches picked up because the last thing we want is for those all to get uh, you know plugged up into the storm drains and cause flooding issues so we got our work cut out for us for sure yeah i just learned this year that the plow trucks and the leaf trucks are the same trucks yes they take one piece of equipment off and put another piece of equipment on and so uh, it sometimes we hear well why can't you just you know drive around and go do that it's like well right now the truck is getting you know the plow taken off and the leaf pickup uh, vacuum put on and, and vice versa so it's not as easy because you try to be efficient it'd be great if we had a whole bunch of more trucks but we just you know we don't have that part of our budget well mayor we thank you for taking a few minutes on a monday to meet with us my pleasure there's some other exciting things we have working on for our website our very own elizabeth buyer has been exploring some parts of the city and will continue to for a new video series uh, where have you been so far well, I, first I want to say that this video series is kind of just an excuse for me to get out and explore lacrosse. But you're so, new here. I'm new here, yeah. So um, I'm getting to take a bunch of tours and do things that I wouldn't have time to otherwise because I'm in the office. So what places have you gotten to check out so far? Yeah, so I checked out the new um, Lacrosse Distilling Co., their company, Co. Short for Company. They just opened in September, and they distill their own spirits. But they have some pretty ambitious plans. Oh, yeah. They um, are interested in expanding 
uh, nationally and potentially internationally within you know the next five ten years. And and in kind of a very uh, different sort of uh, lacrosse iconic spot earlier today, you were. Oh yeah, I was at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Where they don't distill anything. They don't distill. They might. I mean, there is that sacrificial wine. Well, that they don't yeah. talk much about that. Okay, so I, I was at the Shrine earlier today. Met with. Um, one of the nuns, uh, she's a very, very lovely person. She took me through the, the different aspects of the shrine, the history behind the shrine, and let me ride in a golf cart. Did not and let me drive the golf cart, which I was a little bummed about, but you know. Maybe that was best. <laughs> that may have been for the best. And you've also were up on top of Granddad Bluff on uh, New Year's Eve, I think. I was, I was up uh, on top of Granddad Bluff watching a bunch of pyrotechnic enthusiasts prepare to blow a bunch of stuff up or prepare explosives. It was the Skyrockers. They were getting ready for their New Year's Eve fireworks show, and it was it was pretty great. So we're, we'll be sure to have a link online where this podcast can be found to those videos, and don't worry, we'll send you out to find many, many other places in the lacrosse area to explore, and there's plenty out there. And if any readers have a, a good idea of what you should check out, how can they get a hold of you? Oh, yeah, they can reach me uh, via email, or you can tweet at me. Ideally, tweet at me, because my email is too long to list right now. But uh, you can find me at Beth A. Beyer, B-E-Y-E-R, at Twitter.com. I'm not sure how Twitter handles work, but you'll find me on Twitter. You'll be on Twitter, <laughs> as is the Lacrosse Tribune. And also, you can find the Tribune not only on Twitter, but on Facebook. And don't forget to check out our Instagram page. Thanks again for checking out another edition of TribCast. For Jordan Vion, Elizabeth Byer, this is Scott Rada. Thanks.